Hello and welcome to And All Shall Be Well. I am your host, Megan Rohr. In today's conversation with Toby, we're going to talk a little bit about what it is like to be a Jewish person in the United States and in our world right now. And hopefully you will be left with the idea that it is up to all of us to do better and ensure that anti-Semitism is checked and that there are safe and equitable spaces for all Jewish people in this world. And I also hope that you will know that if you do not have a kind of diverse friendship where you can interact and be with people who are Jewish and have them in your life, that that is something that is open to you and is something that could be really helpful. I find that Toby is someone who is incredibly smart, uh, but also someone who has a wisdom that comes from understanding all of the difficult complications in the world and can speak about them in a loving and humorous way that really roots for people to be in connection in the future. So hopefully you will enjoy this conversation. My name is Toby Klein. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I am the program manager at A Wider Bridge. Um, some identities that are important to me. Uh, the first one is I rescue and I foster dogs. I've got a snoring pit bull behind me named Ruth. Um, but I intersect with the world in a lot of different ways, um, primarily through um, my heart. And at my heart is my Judaism. I was born into a Jewish family. Um, I'd prefer not to go into the uh, conversation or the idea of where my parents fornicated because they think that's kind of a weird question in general. Um, but I am a Jewish openly queer person. Um, I work at an LGBTQ nonprofit aimed at supporting the um, LGBTQ community in and around Israel. Um, and I'm also neuro spicy, neurodivergent. You'll see my brain go in a few different directions. Um, yeah. Those are the most important identity, identities to me right now. I like it. And sometimes the spices in our neurodivergent uh, neuron spaces uh, like to make salsa together. So it, yeah. it we make a good conversation is my best guess. Are there, are there any other intersections you want to fling out for people before we start a conversation or did you get most of them? Dr. Megan Rohr's biggest fan, number one fan. Um, so I uh, identify as a cisgender woman. Um, I uh, I intersect with the world um, uh, ethnically and uh, culturally and religiously through Judaism, uh, through a few different forms um, throughout my life. Um, I'm also a PhD. I'm also a PhD. I I'm no longer a PhD student. I have completed a PhD, um, and I'm an academic. And so a few of the ways that I interact with the world are that. Um, I am a community activist by nature. Um, Megan, were there other identities that you were thinking of? You know me fairly well, so it's okay to po I don't, I, there's nothing that's off limits. Are you willing to tell people um, what your PH done was in? Oh yeah, oh, so um, my running joke in Arkansas was that uh, neo-Nazis found me easier than a girlfriend did. Um, which had more truth to it than I would have liked. But I studied Holocaust education in the state with the lowest levels of education, of Holocaust education knowledge, um, which is Arkansas. So about 12% uh, of students in Arkansas, or at least those that were surveyed, um, believe that Jews perpetrated the Holocaust. So I'll say that one more time. 
more than 10% of students who had gone through the education system thought that Jews were responsible for the Holocaust. So my dissertation asked, what's the status of Holocaust education in the state? And what is the status of our teachers? And the short answer is, um, I moved to Chicago. So first of all, let me start with saying, uh, for those who, who do not identify as Jewish, we got to do better. Just starting there, right? Um, yikes. Okay. Anti-Semitism is um, real. People don't like <laughs> Jews. And I wish, it, I wish that were not the case, but it is. And other folks don't get to define it. And they don't get to say you get to feel safe or you don't. When there's people that are getting shot up and there's bomb threats and things like that, people don't feel safe. That's real. Yeah. I don't know why that's so hard for people to say these days. I would add to my own context, my wife's uh, family fled hungry, uh, survived the Holocaust, then needed to flee because of the Russian genocide that came after that in Hungary. Um, Laurel's dad and and aunt came to the U.S. um, when her dad was six and um, also have like personally visited Dachau and been to Israel with y'all at, at Wider Bridge and, and did some of my own kind of traveling, have seen anti-Semitism everywhere, even um, from the anti-Semitism that is directed at people to the anti-Semitism that is directed at plants. Um, for example, some there are some plant names where the invasive species that just repopulate and take over spaces are named after Jewish people for the purpose of just spreading anti-Semitism through precocious purple plants. Which is slightly homophobic, if I might just say. As a, as a resident, as a resident lesbian, queer identifying person here, I would like to say that it's a tad homophobic when it starts to get into the plants. And I mean that, let me specify that I mean that with a lot of sarcasm and dripping sarcasm of um, campy lesbian out in the woods feels a little bit intersectionally tied to plants not being a, a safe space anymore. Right. And, and I think you're currently wearing mushrooms on your shirt. I'll describe for those who are only listening through, through audio, the audio means of, of today's conversation. Uh, my, my experience is that anti-Semitism has always been there, at least um, in the earliest days of, of early Christianity when it starts to come out. And obviously before that in history, but as someone who is who is uh, Christian identified, someone who is Lutheran identified, where a lot of that Holocaust rhetoric comes out of Martin Luther's writing during a particular time where he got very angry at rabbis who he had been in partnership and then got in disagreements with. And that language that he wrote down that then got circulated because the printing press had been invented really fuels a lot of that German anti-Semitism. But a lot of my my research in, in, in my PhD work through, through trans studies kind of talks about some of the ways that those verses in scripture uh, that are really afraid of the veil that Moses wore from being encounter with God. Um, for, for y'all who don't know that part of scripture, Moses, Moses goes on top of the mountains and being near God makes your, your, your forehead glow with a light that bothers people. Um, and so Moses would wear a veil when with other people and then take the veil off when with God. And this idea of wearing a lacy veil 
um, which in some Middle Eastern spaces is identified with femininity, uh, became something that Christians used to make fun of Jewish people in the early kind of history of, of Christianity being developed. And that same sort of uh, uncomfortableness with females and with trans people and gender nonconforming people becomes violent for all of those communities, but most violent for the Jewish community and sort of kind of continues kind of throughout history being really violently imposed just all over, all over the world. And my curiosity is, is how do you, how do you live with all of the, the generational trauma that, that we get from, from our ancestors and the current crises that are always at, like from wars to anti-Semitism in the spaces where you live? How do you like wake up in the morning and go through your day with all of that existing in the world? You know, an easy question. I was gonna say, yeah, the short answer of that is um, I don't wanna let the enemies of my ancestors win today. I don't wanna let, they didn't win before and I don't want them to win again today. Um, I'll sometimes use more tongue in cheek language like fuck Nazis and getting up today um, because I was doxxed. So folks uh, may know the term doxing is when your information is released publicly uh, by, an, uh, in my case, it was a white supremacy group. Um, it, while I was in Arkansas doing my PhD, um, they released my information publicly as a queer Jew. Um, and that to some, you know, is an invitation to violence, right? They had my address. They had what I looked like. Um, so how do I get up in the morning in, in the context of this, in the context of, you're right, generational trauma and also some some loving kindness to it. Of We, we have a joke of, you know, there was one ancestor that said, hmm, not this boat. And that's how, you know, we're here six generations later because of that Jewish anxiety. And I think there's a beauty in recognizing some of the, the traits that are passed down, right? Um, some of the, you know, sensitivity, some of the anxiety um, is the hair, right? I have thick curly hair that recently I chopped a little bit more off of, um, but there are things that I inherited that make me feel connected and make me feel grounded and recognizing that Jews come in um, many different shapes and sizes. I'm pretty pale. Um, there are many that are not. There are Jews that are Asian Jews, there are Black Jews, and this idea that Jews are white minimizes that. And so I, I wake up every day with a pur not always with a purpose, but with a feeling that my community has done a lot for me. I want to give back. It's a Jewish value of tikkun olam to repair the world, to make it a little bit better than how you found it. Um, and that's that is important to me. That's what keeps me grounded. That's why I work at a, an LGBTQ Jewish nonprofit where I can be all of my identities. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, right? These are intense times um, when you're being told by some that all Jews are white, but Hitler racialized Jews. So then what does that make me? If Hitler said we were a subhuman race, but now in America, they're saying we're all white. And then I have family members who are dark, like where, where's their space for me? And I wake up because, you know, 
I've, I've got to, I guess I don't have to, it is an active choice and some days are harder than others. And my snoring pit bull makes it so much easier too, because I wake up to help her start her day. Um, it, community is everything. And I, I want to stress to people that right now, um, Jews feel incredibly isolated. And I don't mean to speak for all Jews. We have a running joke, two Jews, three opinions. Jews are scared right now. And there's this weird feeling of, but it's not the Holocaust. But it's not the Holocaust is a really, in my in my opinion, a really shitty threshold to have to be at to validate our own pain. And when folks are not doing that, um, it, it, it strengthens the fear, right? Now we feel like no one believes us. Where are our allies? Um, it's a it's a it's a difficult time. We're just five years past the synagogue shooting. Um, there have been bomb threats everywhere. I don't need to list off all the instances of anti-Semitism. Um, you can look online. You can look on social media to find them. I don't recommend it. It's not quite pleasant. Um, if I may get ahead of myself, one of my self-care strategies is to stay off the internet as much as I can because neo-Nazis are awful. And I don't need to see what my ancestors didn't want me to see. They wanted me to grow up to be healthy and loving. And that's what I want to do. Um, Neo-Nazis telling me that I am a piece of shit who should go die. Not really the dream that we're going for. Sometimes for me, like, because I think there are as many types of being queer as there are being Jewish, right? There are people who who are ethnically Jewish, there are people who are religiously Jewish, and then the, of the people who are religiously Jewish, there's all the different shades and varieties and um, just, and, and then different like skin tones and different cultures and different, even for some people like different foods that they eat at different times and um, at a at a recent Wider Bridge party, even like different ways that you can now make California healthy. Some of the like traditional Hanukkah foods, right? And so, oh gosh, uh, <laughs> you can make you can make uh, latkes out of zucchinis if you want to, right? Like just all all of the diversity that is out there obviously makes it difficult for anyone to like say what their one space in the world is. Um, but the really beautiful thing about that is that you can connect with other communities that sort of have resiliency and strength in a space where you might have vulnerability and you have strength in a place where they have vulnerability and kind of having these cross-generational, cross-national conversations really can help ampl amplify people. And I, I see you as someone who is really committed to these kinds of connections and and doing that a lot in Israel, right? Like you're gonna make me cry in a good way. A big, big heart hug, Megan. Right? Because I think there is a part of you that's like, I'm gonna learn the very academic best practice ways to do this. And then also I'm willing to sit in the messy space. That is what happens when we just try to listen to each other's stories. And and I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit about how being in connection with communities like that and um, helping to like be the person who's weaving together the LGBTQ community and the Jewish community is something that has, has fueled you. Yeah. 
Um, it's a good question. The LGBT, so weaving is a good metaphor. Um, there, it, it can be challenging. Um, I, I want to put something in context, which is that uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye, Ye, I believe is the current name, um, has about 32 has about 32 million followers on either Instagram or Twitter or something like that. And there are 16 million Jews in the whole entire world. So that's the whole entire world. That is not just America. That is the entire world. So double the amount of Jews in the entire world and you have Kanye's or Ye's followers. And that to me is pretty scary. Um, so when I think about this kind of daunting measure, right, of this really small community, and then we take that kind of pie, if we're looking at a metaphor, or you're talking about smaller chunk of it, we're talking about 16 million people in the whole world. Okay. Then we look at America. It's about estimated about seven, eight million-ish Jews in America. Um, last time I checked. And then you talk about the gay population, and let and and I'll say the the, the phrase that uh, folks have asked me before, or folks have said before, which is find a nice a nice Jewish girl or a nice Jewish boy. It's kind of this uh, a saying that oftentimes grandparents will, will tell you, or your parents will tell you, like find a nice Jewish person, find someone in the in the community in the faith to marry. And I've been told that by you know really wonderful Jews who've been like find a nice Jewish girl, and then I'll say okay please do. Because what you're talking about is you're talking about a smaller, smaller, smaller percentage. You're talking about the LGBT, you're talking about the Jewish population. Fine. That's 8 million in America. Not everyone's going to want to date me. I can accept that. That's okay. Great. Then we just take it to, I'm, I'm interested in women. Okay. Women that might be interested in me. Okay. Women that are open and at, you get to a very small group of folks. Um, and I say that to, again, contextualize things of how of what this community looks like, and also recognizing that there is vast diversity within that community. There, are, I'm someone who has a Jewish studies major from undergrad and someone who grew up in this community to Jewish parents in a home that kept the laws of kashrut, um, keeping a kosher dietary life. I grew up very much and still am in this faith as, a, as an openly queer person. And also... There are parts of Judaism that I'm not familiar with. And so I, I, I keep saying contextualizing or this or that, because there is a hesitancy of what am I going to say that might represent poorly upon my community? What am I going to say that may impact that? And that's a, an example of religious privilege. Uh, if anyone's looking for an academic article, Schlosser and Schlosser 2003, or Schlosser and Sadat, like I'm probably pronouncing them wrong. Um, I'm happy to send anyone the article. Um, talks about religious privilege. And part of that privilege is understanding um, I can say something and not have it represent my entire community. Or your your holidays are represented on the calendar. Mine aren't. And that's, a, I guess it's okay, right? I understand it. But also, even if we call it winter break, it falls around a certain time. Even if we call it spring break, it falls around a certain time. And those are not my holidays. And I am grateful for the freedoms of some freedoms that I live that I have living in America. So the question then of how do I weave a community that I don't fully understand, that I'm still experiencing myself. I'm still um, I'm 27 years old. Um, I grew up in Chicago area, then came, then went to school, then came back. I'm now here as an adult, and it's a little bit different. And how do I weave parts of my community that are well-intentioned folks? 
who might still ask me if I'm switching sides in reference to my sexuality, which is not my favorite phrase to hear, but I understand it. They knew me as someone who dated or liked boys, and now I've switched sides to them, and I understand where they're coming from. There are people that I might not agree with on everything. For example, Holocaust education legislation in Arkansas that we passed was passed by a supermajority Republican House and legislature. I'm admittedly not a Republican. Um, I worked with people who I who I vehemently disagree with on everything else. And also what you talked about of listening to people, of being willing to sit in that, that's why. It's, it's kind of my roundabout way of, go, of saying it is I recognize the beauty and the diversity in the Jewish community that I don't fully know, but that I know is loving, um, that I know are people who are going to um, make me cringe at times and also make me feel lots of joy and love. And it's my goal to be able to be my full self in both spaces. And I will pull in a flag that I think is really helpful when I explain to people why is it that I'm doing this? There's some folks who are like, it would just be easier if you were less gay, less Jewish. It just, you could just ruffle less feathers. This is the flag from Wider Bridge. It's where I work. Um, and this flag is really encompasses a lot of what I believe. Um, my Judaism and my queerness are not, are, you can't take them apart. They're inextricably bound. My belief in, uh, in diversity, my belief, not even belief, I don't need to believe in diversity exists. My understanding and recognition and love of, and value of diversity within the Jewish community beyond is intertwined in that flag. And as, and someone asking me to be less of myself in a, in, in a space is asking me to, to not, to not show up at all, really. Um, in, in a Jewish prayer, for mourning the dead, for example. It's the Kaddish. We're not supposed to say it alone. Um, and one of the traditions after you've said the prayer is that you, it, towards the end, you take three steps back and then you take one small step forward. And the idea is that after you've acknowledged that loss, you're never gonna fully return to that point that you started at. And that's, that's okay. And that's an understanding. And that's sort of baked into my understanding of the world. There's harm's going to be done. I view it almost as a harm reduction, right? You can't ungrieve that loss, but you can recognize it and feel it and experience it in a way. So I believe that talking to people and, and, you know, explaining, right? We're a small community. When you say from the river to the sea, you're talking about half of the global Jewish community that lives in Israel. And I'm not comfortable with the eradication of, of half of my people. That's that's literally half of the entire Jewish population. And I might not agree with them, but I didn't agree with half the things that America did at Trump under a Trump presidency. And to hold me responsible for things when I'm just trying to be myself, right? I'm talking to you about really kind of bigger concepts of Jews and Judaism, this and that, and queerness in these niche spaces where there's intricacies and nuance and important details. We're not even skimming the surface. And yet there's so much to recognize and kind of at least acknowledge, whoa, there's a lot out there. And I ask my, if I can ask folks, is to recognize that you may not know everything, but you can believe people, right? If someone says, I'm feeling unsafe 
in my identity as a Jew. To then tell them they don't get to feel that way, I don't think is the move. You're not being a good ally, advocate, anything. You don't even have to agree with it. Heck, you don't, you don't have to, you don't even have to see it the same way that they do. But I can accept that someone has a different truth than me. And, and I'm okay with that. I can accept that I feel very strongly about bodily autonomy and the same strength of force that I feel about that. Someone else may feel in the complete opposite direction. And in working in something as light of a topic as, you know, Judaism, LGBTQ, um, intersectionality in terms of Israel, Palestine, any of that, I can accept that I don't hold all of the truths and that my truth is not someone else's. But I'm okay with my truth and I'm okay with more information because if it is my truth, it's going to stick with me. And if it's not, it's okay for that to change. At the end of the day, I'd rather someone not think of me as an asshole in the process. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question at all, but that's where my brain went. So, ta-da! Well, it was better. Even if it wasn't the answer to my question, it was a better answer because I think part of what like I experience is that for all of the things that I carry in my body, right, that the people that I connect with who are Jewish aren't scared off by the hard, right? By the hard spaces where my my intersections connect are similar to some of the hard spaces for other people. So that when there are days when people told me like, hey, maybe you should consider not being this faith or that faith because they don't accept you. I don't even have to explain any of the background um, for the most, there are certain Jewish communities who I'm gonna have to explain it to or maybe don't wanna be my friend. That's every community, right? But my experience with, with folk who are LGBTQ in Israel, folk that have kind of been in my circle is that they become some of the deepest, greatest friends. Um, it might be weird to say, but if you don't have Jewish friends yet, get some y'all. You're missing right? out and find their grandmother that's going to judge you, but make really good food. Sorry, but the yentas are my favorite. Yenta is a Yiddish word for kind of a busybody grandmother that I use in a loving and affectionate term. But I also think there are younger people who will be busybodies and cook you good food or um, Early know. onset Jewish mother syndrome has been accused of being a term, and I personally don't mind it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of really beautiful gay Jewish people who are going to serve the best food and and have lovely conversations. And so, like, I just if there is a Jewish community center in your area, and there are community opportunities that are open to a full audience, sometimes they're internal conversations. Um, but they're showing a movie about something, show up at them um, and get yourself a couple Jewish friends um, in a way that supports them and in a way that supports you. Because sometimes just connecting with people who can handle hard is just great people to have in your life, right? It might not be the same people that go to the same whatever festivals with you, but maybe they will. Because I find that uh, sometimes people like are interested in like seeing what worship is like with you more often when they're pretty sure they're not going to convert. <laughs> I was going to say, so here's a fun fact for, for those who may not yeah. be as familiar, it is against Jewish law, ethics, halakha to try to convert someone. So if proselytizing, evangelizing is against our 
law. In fact, um, if you want to convert, you're required to go through what's called the rate of refusal. So you're told three three times no. Like it's a very Judaism's not Judaism not for the faint of heart, as one would say. Um, and it is an intentional process. So if someone if at least I know for me, coming from a Jewish background, when people would invite me, I didn't know that they'd occasionally try to convert me, which is fun when those sleepovers were not sleepovers and that bathtub was not exactly a bathtub. <sighs> Whoops. Um, trying to convert someone is also anti-Semitic. I learned that later in life. It's not, they're not your friend if they're trying to convert you in their bathtub and their bathroom and like all those fun things. But um, so my context was, I didn't know that it existed because Judaism's not, a, that that's not a thing. Um, so enjoy the good food, especially because you can, you know, there's low, there's low stakes, there's low pressure, there's no pressure being converted. Um, it, I do want to preface that with recent anti-Semitism that has skyrocketed, we're talking like 500% increases, according to the FBI, we're talking about like, really drastic and really awful numbers and bad. I, I'm not going to say it's bad. Um, there have been increased measures in security. And so if you are entering a Jewish space, I don't want to say, oh, have your I want to say, pause for a moment and think about how that community may be feeling. Um, there may be armed security there. I don't, I, you know, have complicated feelings about law enforcement, as many of us do. And also when I was in Arkansas, law enforcement was at the temp the only temple in town and they kind of had to be, we, we didn't feel comfortable having, just having folks in the space without that. Um, Jewish centers have been targeted. And so when you do a pro, like I encourage you, this is not to say don't, it's to say go and recognize that there may be a metal detector there. There may be people who are asking you questions to kind of see who you are because we haven't always known who have, who friends are, right? During the pogroms, like people are turning in their neighbors. Like this is less than a hundred years ago. These are, this is modern history, right? And people can some that that may be you know a little off-putting for someone to think wow they're not welcoming me in there well you know to the app to to someone who doesn't know you um this community has has been through has been through some hardship it doesn't mean that other people haven't um again encourage people to go to learn jews they, they want to talk to you they want to they, they like people who are like hey i care about you uh, I, i'm sorry people want you dead i don't yay like you, you know you could come up with something hopefully um less uh, rough than that, but um, I think recognizing that we're in a different time where you might know yourself as, you know, the good guy, and how does someone else know that? That's tough. Yeah, I, I wish I didn't have to say that. Trunk. If they ask you to pop the, pop the trunk, pop the trunk, once they notice there are no bombs there, you will be able to go to the event and and take that in as a wow this community, like they're going to ask everybody to do that on the way in. And so um, it just is sort of the, the state of unfortunately the U S and our world right now, that that's that being in community comes with, with risk and that people are and so reward, like with each other, they'll do it. Right. Yeah. And Jews yeah. will still do it. Yeah. And, and it is worth, worth the reward. And, and I think that not, I think, Jews need to know that people care about them. Um, there's a there's a book with a catchy title called uh, "People Only Care About Dead Jews," which is a great title, right? It, it makes you think about it. Of we've had this idea that Jews are so privileged now, and that Jews are almost no longer a minority. And if if they're no longer a minority, then what the, what does two percent of the U.S. population mean in terms of numbers? That does not make sense to me. But we don't have to be the most the the least 
we don't have to be the least privileged to still not experience all the same kinds of privilege. And I'd like to experience the privilege of being able to enter my place of worship without worrying if my belt is going to set off a metal detector. I'd like to be able to go into a space without having to question if I can bring um, friends of color because there's police presence there. Like I'd like to enter spaces and be able to be my full authentic self and I can't. And that sucks. And many of us know that and on different identity basis and levels. Give a shit about give a shit about Jews. Like I hate to be so blunt about it, but like give a shit about Jews because the ones who do give who care too much about Jews are like the ones on one of my professors uh, on my committee uh, taught teaches German and um, mentioned that every once in a while you get some folks in university who learn German for the wrong reasons. So to uh, to read between those lines, that is because they want to uh, learn about Hitler in his entirety of beautiful language. And uh, that's uh, concerning. I'll add this, that list of things that keep me up at night. Um, and I guess like the, the, the more concrete way of if like, okay, well, how do you care about Jews? Show up, right? If there's a thing, Me Megan, you're really good about showing up and, you know, taking pictures that we can see that's really nice. Um, you know, reaching out, sending an email. Hey, I don't know what to do. Can I like, don't, let them tell you, be, be okay with that uncomfortability. It's really uncomfortable to me when someone, you know, mention it might be a little uncomfortable to me if someone says Merry Christmas and I say happy holidays. And, you know, we're like, ha we've had this little cringe moment for a moment. Maybe not even, maybe it's just happy, which is good. Um, but be okay with recognizing that you know, if you, especially if you come from a Christian identity, you come from a position of privilege. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a recognition that we experience the world a little bit differently. You don't have to worry about summers in Arkansas the way that I do, because I go straight vertical. <laughs> Horizontals when your hair just, the humidity in my hair just are delightful. <laughs> I, I like the ways that... Um... You, you've provided opportunities for people to kind of participate or lead in. I, I think in the subtleties of what for you, like you're not ascribing supporting Jewish people to any particular political stance, although you have your own political stances. Correct. Like have whatever variety of political stance you want to have about war. Not Nazis. Nazis, not an ideology. That one That's sucks. Right. No to that. Be against anti-Semitism. Be supportive of the Jewish people existing and getting to have safety. And um, when they offer you food, enjoy it. And one thing, I, one thing I'll add to that is um, requiring that Jews have an opinion on Israel borderlines on anti-Semitism. And some people would say that it is to ask someone who is not necessarily from that nationality to speak to that government and hold them accountable. So protesting a Jewish business, for example, because you're pissed off at the Israeli government is anti-Semitic. Um, that does not, like, they're not the Israeli government. They're, they're it is a restaurant. You are talking about um, it, blaming an entire religion for a country. And yes, there's only one Jewish nation in the world. And it'd be nice if there was, I mean, like, I'm not going to advocate for more. I think there might be, folks might feel safer in that, but there's one Jewish nation. And when you require Jews to, you know, to, to pick a set to whatever, you're telling them that th their value is conditional based on um, their answer. And especially in LGBTQ spaces, 
there are very many that will say no Zionists welcome. Well, okay, but you're accepting of everyone based on nationality. Why do you care where my parents may or may not have fornicated? Like, that's why I say it like that, because that's what you're asking when you're asking those questions. And for those that come from Jewish backgrounds, oftentimes, um, especially those that are um, ethnically Jewish or who have um, been born into Jewish families, where their family comes from is oftentimes uh, nothing if not refugee tale upon refugee tale upon refugee tale, because on average, once every uh, 11 years from four, from the 1400s until uh, the state of Israel was created, uh, Jews were permanently displaced, um, like permanently displaced. And this is not, oh, woe is us throughout history, but just contextualize it. Jewish lineage is refugee status uh, for many, not necessarily in, a, in, in present tense, but prior um, it is a lot of relocation. Um, I don't exactly remember where that thought train was going, um, but just to remember that Jews are not a monolith. They're, uh, they come from many, many different backgrounds. Um, and be kind. Remember that um, Israel is, is one place. It is where half of the world's Jewish population resides. You don't have to care about um, I guess you don't have to care about anyone, um, but know that Jews want, I think on some level, there's an understanding that um, America and other places may turn their back on Jews, that it may not be safe and that there's one Jewish nation and there's some safety in knowing, okay, if shit hits the fan, I got one place I can go. But holding Jews to standards of you have to be this or that, or you have to have an opinion, or you can't be in the space if you're a Zionist or this, that, or the other, it borderlines on anti-Semitism and LGBTQ phobia. You don't get to gatekeep. I mean, I guess you do get to gatekeep, but then you also get to be an asshole. Um, so that's kind of my view. But when you tell people that they can't be in your spaces, you're not eliminating Zionism. You're not sticking it to Bibi Netanyahu. You're telling a small community that they don't deserve to take up space. And I don't like that. Well, and they, I think there were, well, how, do you remember the number of days that people were protesting prior to this? Like every day in a row, people were protesting. Then, yeah. So, yeah. And and when, and so I was in Israel this summer and we were at Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Pride March. Um, and, and we were in Israel this summer. We were, I think we were there at week 22 of the protest, but there were like 40, I think it was something like 40 weeks of protest where upwards of like, at one point, over some 750,000 people, like they shut down highways, like, we, so when people ask, what does the wider bridge do? We support the Israeli LGBTQ community. And a few months ago, they were in the streets saying, fuck the government, which thankfully the judicial, the reasonable reasonableness clause uh, that uh, it won't get bad things were avoided, which is good. It took a while. That's a short answer of it. Folks can read more up on it. I'm happy, happy to send them resources. Um, but we were supporting the LGBTQ community and we were out in the streets protesting just the same because that's what the LGBTQ community was doing. They were saying, hey, democracy's at stake, uh-uh. And now those same folks are supporting war efforts. And they're like, what you, What do you mean you liberate? Because 1,300 people were murdered like because Hamas launched a terror attack. And now regardless of what their opinion is on the Israeli government, they have friends that are dying and they are required to step up. And so that's not exactly a choice that they get. And I don't have to agree with the Israeli government to believe people when they say that they're hurting and to believe Israelis when life has been upended and to believe that both Israelis and Palestinians are human beings worthy of respect and dignity and life. And I am not against Palestinians. I 
think that Hamas is a terror group. I, I do believe that. Um, I think that from the river to the sea is anti-Semitic. You are calling for the eradication of the land from the River Jordan to the Mediterranean Sea, and that is the entire state of Israel. And that means that half the world's Jewish population goes where? That's not sticking it to Benjamin Netanyahu. In my eyes, you're completing what the Nazis started. You're eradicating the Jewish population. Well, we don't want that. I don't want that. I'm I'm personally a pacifist, so I want all wars to peacefully be resolved in ways that lead to safety and and liberation for all people and and folk to be able to have rights that they deserve and I want their, that to not be terrorism and 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 I don't mean it in a in a like pretend the world doesn't exist way in all of the real ways where people get to have their own self determination and be able to um, live safely and freely so. Like I, as I was saying before we even started chatting, I'll probably have to have you come back so we can talk some more. But I want to circle back around to wellness. Um, what what are some of the things you're doing to care for yourself these days that you want like to share with other people? Yeah, so I like to joke that um, we're based. The, the the meme that I liked was remember to get plenty of water and sunlight because you're basically a house plant with complicated emotions. And I certainly have my emotions. Um, and I'm someone who feels big feelings. And I'm, you know, in later in life learning that that's okay to feel my big feelings. And therapy is really great. Therapy has been a good tool for me for a while. Um, medication. I take my medicine. I encourage other people to whatever your medicine is. For me, it's doctor prescribed. And it's I am someone who ha who um, is pretty open about the fact that my brain goes in different places. It's currently diagnosed as ADHD and anxiety, right? It's We joke that these are sometimes Jewish things, right? Um, it, they're manifestations of sometimes how people show up. So taking my medicine is an active part of my, of my wellness practice. Um, so is yoga during grad school. Grad school is not great for mental health. I might say that. Can't recommend that enough of if you want to maintain mental health, grad school might not be for you. Um, just consider it. Um, I became a yoga instructor. And so now I have a daily practice. Even if I don't want to do it, I'll still do it. A dog, maybe, you know, this other way. A cute one sleeping on the couch helps me get out of bed every morning. Um, I will have to walk her and that's helpful. And finding community. Community is everything. And I think in times where isolation is really high, finding community. Um, and it might be in unexpected places, like you were saying, Megan. Um, it might not be in a place that you're familiar with. Maybe it's in a church if you're a Jewish person. Maybe it's somewhere that you weren't expecting. But I think being open to it because people are so lonely right now, truly. Um, being open to connection and being open to the idea that your next connection might not be as you expected it um, is really helpful to me. So finding community. And I stay grounded by kind of what I think of as a Jewish concept, which is I don't want to do the right thing because I want to. It's because I need to. You just kind of got to do it. And that's that it's finding that balance um, of self-care versus self-indulgence. And finding good people, finding good people like Megan, finding great people and trusting yourself, I think is a really underrated uh, self-care tool. Um, remembering that you've got, it might sound cliche, but you've gotten yourself through 100% of your hardest moments and your hardest days. And believing in that sense of self is grounding at times and also scary and humbling. 
um, reaching out for help. And what keeps me grounded is I, I get outside. I feel inspired by nature. And I, I love to hobbit hole and I love to get curmudgeon but I got to get outside and I got to see the mountain. I got to see nature. I got to crunch a leaf. Um, it's really hard to be sad when you're crunching a really crispy leaf, I've found. Um, so crunch more leaves and pet a dog if you're not allergic. Um, volunteering at a shelter. There's lots of other things, but really small things. Um, again, remember you're a houseplant with complicated emotions. If things feel overwhelming, get some sleep. Well, I would add to the list too what I think you've demonstrated in this conversation, which is you can have a sense of humor even when things are hard. And oh yeah. Right? I mean, like you and I have great check-ins of like how you doing. Like yeah. I know this is the world's shittiest question, but how are you doing? Um, like there is some kind of they say gallows humor, just not the term I want to use, but there's some morose humor that is associated with Judaism when, you know. We haven't always survived the longest, so we make jokes like that because it's a little uncomfortable to deal with the uncertainty of things. And yeah, I do think humor is a really good tool. And thanks. You think I'm funny. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, I, I thought I would like say it out loud because if people haven't known our previous interactions before, like watching this, like even though I'm on mute, but I'm like laughing when you're saying something incredibly tragic, like that's that's sort of your vibe. That's love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> But I wouldn't want people to confuse it with like, oh, Megan's uh, totally. I adore Megan. And... Megan, Me I will be on record as Megan as one of Megan's biggest fans, and I think Megan's hilarious. And Megan thinks I'm hilarious, so therefore I think Megan's great. <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> if if people are interested in connecting with you, um, number one, I would recommend that the way they connect with you is to send you photos of their pets. Oh, please. Yeah. And then uh, what would be the best way for people to connect? And and I'm going to also volunteer you that if someone's like, I want to figure out how to be friends with Jewish people like you recommended. And I live in Eureka, California. Where do I find Jewish people that you will? I know probably, them. you'll telephone book them to somebody. Without, I know them. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fun thing about Jews is that we know everyone and I dated their camp. I dated their cousin's best friend at camp or like it's it's a it's a bad joke, but it's very true. Um, so, yes, yeah, so if you're like, I can't find a Jew, I can. And I can do it in a less creepy way. Hope, hope, well, depending. Um, but yes, I, I will connect you. People want to be connected. You can connect to me. Um, I work at a wider bridge. The easiest way is my email. It's Toby, T-O-B-Y at a wider bridge dot org. Um, folks are welcome to reach out to me there. Um, I'm not on any personal social media because it's really helpful for my mental health. I'm on LinkedIn. If you want to friend me there, it's Toby Klein, PhD, because, you know, the degree took five years and why not there. So please be in touch. And if you're if you're like, I, I don't know, the, I don't know the question to ask, uh, but I want to ask a question. That's my favorite person in the four in the four questions of the one who knows not enough to ask. So be like, hey, here's my dog. And I'll be like, great, let's chat. And if you can't find a dog, find a dog. Yeah, and the more awkward your question, the more the totally better. I love. Yeah, make me make <laughs> me feel cringy, and it'll like it's just it's a yeah yeah. That's my love. Well, do you do you have any final thoughts that you want to impart with people? Yeah, fifteen minutes was hilarious. Thinking that that's how long this is going to take originally. <laughs> well, because no, I adore my my last thoughts are give a shit about Jews, be kind to yourself, and. Uh, Give yourself some Rahmanis. I'm going to impart a Yiddish word. Rahmanis is loving compassion. Um, give yourself the space to just exist. 
I exist in all of my, I say sometimes emotions in a blender, but give yourself some really loving kindness because there's so much radical unkindness in this world and you can show yourself just a little bit of radical kindness. So like I have juice boxes, which are not the best for the planet, but they make me really freaking happy every time you just get that little spout of joy. So find your little spout of joy. Well, how do you not squirt your own face? I always squirt my own face with the juice. I may have split my lip yesterday because I walked my water bottle into a wall and then boinked and then audibly said, that wasn't smart. <laughs> <laughs> so find yourself some safe little juice boxes because it is, it might, you know, go places and that's okay. Embrace being a kid again. Like Brene Brown says, you know, the fuck, the, like embrace the first time fuck up. Like you're not going to be perfect at something and do it anyway. Thank you for listening. I hope that this conversation has given you a reminder that resilience is an important skill and encourages you to expand your, your Rolodex and really reach out to folk in the Jewish community and lend your support. If you would like to lend your support to this podcast and help us make more of them, I hope that you will like and subscribe and give stars and thumbs up and all of the things that help other people to get connected to these important conversations. And um, let us know through uh, comments and uh, you can reach out to me. Let us know what is resonating with you, what kind of conversations you'd like us to have in the future. And uh, if you can, consider joining us on Patreon. I couldn't love you more. I hope that you are finding smooth pathways forward and I'll be rooting for you each and every day. Whether you are taking care of yourself to the best of your ability or you're just getting by today, I know that all shall be well and I will talk to you again next time. <laughs>